Welcome to GB Talks with me, George Bamford. I'm going to delve into the world of watches. We're going to be talking to journalists. We're going to be talking to some of the key people in the watch world. Come with me on this journey with our guests on how they got into the wonderful and weird watch world. Welcome to GB Talks. I have got in the hive Johnny Davis, the style director of Esquire. Yes, you're in the room. Hello. Hello, George. Good to see you. I'm so pleased that you're here. Just firstly, I wanted to just get you back in here to talk about how this started. Take us back to maybe teenager Johnny. Okay. Well, I think my, in my job, I kind of just got uh, very lucky and it's only really super recently that you've, I've sort of realized that the old thing that people, if, if you can do, if you do something you enjoy, you never do a day's work, et cetera, whatever. Yeah. And I've sort of realized that all my life from even before being a teenager, I've sort of folded bits of paper in half and neither drawn comics or made football magazines when I was into football or made computer games magazines when I was into, into computer games and stapled them together and handed them out. So when it got to uh, having done an English degree, and I thought, I've got no idea what I'm going to do. And there was a, a postgraduate journalism course in London. Um, and so I thought, as by dint of like, uh, uh, you know, giving me breathing space, I think, what on earth shall I do? And from that, I got some work experience at a magazine called the face, which was kind of a, oh yes, my favorite, my favorite magazine at the time, and a big deal at the time, and has relaunched very successfully and in, in more recently in, in recent years, and that was it. So I was straight into London because I'm going to slowly get you to because you're George. running yeah. through this and going, oh, right. you know. But you did the original kind of fanzines on football, so you were doing that kind of like homemade magazines and a, an artist. I didn't know that you you were a good ske- sketcher. <laughs> I thought I would be an all right sketcher if I kept up, but you're tra- I'm trapped as being a 15 year old boy drawing. But yeah, I I, when you say fanzines, that's that's quite generous. I made a copy of one issue that I might show my friend. Um, but yeah, but that's so that's his only lace. You kind of think, oh yeah, I have always been kind of into making print things, um, yes. and the landscape of print has changed dramatically. But um, but yeah, when when you look back, you think, yeah, yeah, it's kind of I've turned a hobby into into something that is um, that you know just just you know kind of pays the rent. To come out of that and go, yeah, I'm going to go and be a journalist. That's quite a a big jump or or maybe it's it was a natural kind of falling into it it was a natural thing it really was a, i didn't know what to do and i thought well why don't i just do something i quite like doing and i quite liked reading magazines and buying magazines and i was forever going to the shops and you know piling up on magazines um and then someone told me about this course and i'll tell you what it was i was at, at university i realized that i could get into music gigs free um, and get £10 worth of records free if I wrote for the student paper. So I was a music no writer for the student way. paper. So the Leeds student had a deal with Crash Records uh, in the Merion Centre in Leeds, which is still there, um, whereby um, if you did an advert for, for their shop, they would give the music person £10 worth of records. You could choose them each week. So you go and fight. You read what was good in the end of me that week and then go into, into, into the shop and say, well, I want to review this, the new album by whoever it was, the wedding present or whoever it was. And you also got, you could phone up and go, I want to go and see this band playing at the Leeds Refectory. And so you know, I thought, this is pretty, this journalism thing's all right, that's, isn't it? It's just quite some, a cool some, thing. Fr- some free stuff. What was the big band that you saw that you were like, oh my God, I've seen them. You know, if you look back on it, God, they were big, but at the time probably they weren't the biggest. I managed not to go and see Nirvana when they played in when they played um, up the road in Bradford, which was like, oh Christ, what? I passed I... on that. I passed on the Stone Roses at, Br- at the Bristol. Uh, I'm, I'm from Bristol, so I passed on the Stone Roses at the Bristol Beer Keller, which is like 
tiny. Who else did I see? I mean, I saw anyone who came through. Leeds was good because I get anyone who was touring came through Leeds. So because it, it was one of those routes, wasn't it? it yeah, was, yeah, it yeah. was. The, there was a certain route, and then they kind of missed out. There was certain parts <laughs> of the country they were like. Yeah, we're not doing that. <laughs> yeah, there are, I think bands are a bit more inclusive, all for the better now. But yeah, that was, so I think my university places were, I got a place at St Andrews and I went and saw that and I said, what is there to do here? And my friend said, there's a ball every other weekend. And I thought, hmm. They went no. to see Leeds and I thought, this is, this is better. Yeah. There's some stuff going on here. So I did that. So that's, that's how I got into June. But also working for the local or student rag yes. is, uh, is quite a big thing because you're having to deliver something whilst you're still a student. Yeah, but you make it sound like it's, it's not. <laughs> it's going to tell you what's fun is going to is going to an office and being. I mean, an office is a bit grand. Going into a room with sort of like-minded people and bashing away at a, a then an Amstrad, probably green screen computer, and printing all the stuff out and changing change the headlines, all that stuff. I love all that stuff. So that's but, fun. But that was like you building the foundations of you. I guess, although, yeah. I've been kind of learning about some of these brands that have kind of now household brands like Microsoft and, and BlackBerry back in the day. I watched something on there. And you think about how it started in that student way to now where it looks today. And you think about what you've done, what you, you know, that student side, you know your skill set. Yeah, I think so. I had a really good friend called Tim Viggan who put on club nights, you know, like indie music. He had good, really good taste in music. So in, uh, indie and kind of the cool, the canon of rock. So, you know, Beach Boys and Beatles and Stones and stuff. Um, and that seemed aged, whatever age we were, 20 or whatever. That seemed like an, like an amazing thing. You think, how can you do that? But of course... If your interest is, is yeah. that and you just make the right phone call, of course you can do that. And he now works, he's now, a, you know, he, run, he manages bands and stuff. But that thing of just following your hobby, you know, um, something doing, you can relate doing, to, to doing yourself, George. You love. Yeah, exactly. And that's, 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 so that's kind of it, really. I know that you said, hey, I could get free CDs or free, free uh, vinyl. Vinyl. Yeah. And I can go see concerts. I'm like, I know that there was a, another motive behind being the journalist, but actually, you were doing something you wanted to do. Yeah, and you got to meet, you got to interview, when the bands came through, Leeds or whatever, you would get to, you, you would phone up the PR and say, can I get half an hour with Elastica or Suede or Blur or whoever it was? And no they would they would come and way. come and meet you. And that's kind of a, you know, as a 20-year-old, you're like, wow. You're like, <laughs> they're, they're on the radio and yeah, you yeah, get yeah. to do the interview. Yeah, wow, that's, that's cool. It's really fun. That's never, and it's also, that's, it's still, it's, that stuff's still fun. That's just still, that's never lost. What, what was the, okay, what was the band that you remember the most? What was the one that you were like, oh my God, that was kind of like the most bizarre I mean, it was not. It was there were some <laughs> there were some ropey ones. The thing that sticks in my mind is Suede. You familiar? You familiar with Suede? Yeah. So Suede coming through Leeds at the point when they were they they were like the biggest thing in you know in rock music and in the music press, um, and me getting the lift <laughs> in, in this shopping centre, which is like a really crap shopping centre, um, with my friend Dave Kenning, who was my flatmate, um, and we got in the lift and we sort of looked at each other, and it was. Brett and Simon, Brett the singer and Simon the drummer from Suede, who they their, their shtick was to wear secondhand clothes, like, a, you know, junk shop clothes. And they said, oh, well, looked at ours and <laughs> said, what, do you know where the good secondhand clothes shops are in Leeds? And of course, we absolutely did, because that's how we had no, we had no money. And that's, that's where we bought, bought our clothes from. So we were able to say, yeah, yeah, of course you go. Da, 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 da. And then uh, I think in the student, in the in the paper that evening, they played the gig and they, you can see me in the front, in the, uh, in the, in the, in the front row. <laughs> so that was good. And they were like, <laughs> like okay. That. You, you <laughs> just like with the, with, the, with, the, with the clothes. Yeah, it's, yeah, we knew where to buy you know, a shirt for under a fiver. So that was good. Okay, so we go from student straight out of that to face. 
Yeah, so to the postgrad thing, and then a lot of it is complete luck. As an example, as part of the student journalism course, you did various different bits, modules, whatever, and there was one very oversubscribed one on a Friday, which was, um, I think, arts, it was called. I mean, you could do politics and local government and different bits you could choose. And the arts one, you know, who wants to do the arts one? Everyone put their hands up. That's, that sounds like the fun one. And it was taught by a guy called David Roper, who was, was, a, was a clever guy. He would teach you each week for an hour. And after the first few weeks, he would, you know, he, he'd be handing out examples of how to write in a certain style, writing for a broadsheet, writing for a tabloid, writing a think piece, writing a review. And after the first few weeks, you're like, hang on a minute, all these pieces are written by the same person. David Roper is the guy taking the course. So he's giving you examples of the stuff he's done. And you're like, you're, right, you're, right, you're an interesting guy. And he was quite hard, quite a hard... Wow, that's quite a big uh, thing yeah, as well. Yeah, he was quite good. He was going to, and he had set quite hard assignments. One of them was, okay, next week, you've got a week, come back next week and go, go and interview someone famous. And as a student, you're like, how am I going to do that? I don't have no idea. I knew someone someone else on the course's flatmate was a runner on that Chris Evans Friday night show. Was it called Don't Forget, Don't Forget Your Toothbrush? Oh, yes. Remember that? Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. A while ago. So it's like at the start of Zoo TV. And he got me an afternoon running on this t- on, on thing. So I interviewed Chris Evans and that was part of my coursework. Anyway, I digress. One of the, it's just mainly That's just, quite a cool that thing. That was quite a cool thing. But to show you the kind of character this guy, David Roper, was, at the end of one lesson, he handed me a folded up bit of paper in an envelope and said, don't, this is, and I opened the envelope up and it was a letter from the then deputy editor of the face to David Roper, this guy who had also been taught by David Roper, this guy and said, oh, by the way, we've got a 15th anniversary issue of the face coming up. We need some extra help. I don't suppose there's anyone on your, on the course who could kind of help you think it you know, fits the kind of wow. music and culture stuff and i was like you know holy shit this is like my dream this is like winning you know a competition um, but it is amazing it, it, that's like the golden ticket it's for, the golden ticket it, but this in the what the wiliness of this character i saw i spent went to lunch i was umming and ahhing oh, i should begin to phone this number i'm really kind of scared intimidated by this thing. oh my god what I hadn't what i didn't know was He'd given it to someone. He'd given it to two people. So it's a test, basically. Who's so going to call? So, so when I phoned up at four o'clock, I went, oh, but I'm really nervous. By the way, I've just given this piece of paper. And they were like, oh, sorry. I mean, your 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 classmate Jim Weaver has phoned up two hours early. He's he's got the the work experience position. And I was so crestfallen. Oh my god! But they took <laughs> they took pity on me and said, well, why don't you both come in? I don't know what happened to that other guy, but I, but I was basically then worked like mad and, was, and did loads of extra work and went to the library but and that's researched stories. Hustling and to, I hustled a bit. Yeah. And, I, and eventually, they, you know, the, the, my work experience came to an end. And they said, why don't you stay on? And then they gave me a staff job. And then I became editor and I edited it for uh, three years at the end of the 90s. Jesus. Um, so that was, yeah. So that, well, that was total luck. And that was like, had I not, <laughs> the lesson there is if someone gives you an envelope and says, phone this number, Get phone, on. phone that number. Um, so I was lucky. But that's inspirational from a teacher. That really yeah, is he was kind great. of like, I mean, the fact know. I remember his name and all this stuff yeah. is like, he does, I think he does, he does runs a production company now. He's still, he's still probably but, but also stick and stay and make it pay. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you went into the face as, a runner to a degree. Yeah, what I mean is totally. a dog's body. Yeah. And you then went on and became the editor. I'm like, I bet no one said, Hey, this is where you're going to be ending up. Or am I wrong on that? No, no, totally. And I think it was just enthusiasm for it and being in the right place at the right time. And I just, I just loved it. I, I, I loved, like I say, I love all the mechanics of, I love the page come out, the printer, all, all that stuff of make the making of the making of things. I think is really uh, as much fun as, you know, <laughs> the blagging the free records as well. It's all of it. It's all of it's great fun. 
But you got a few free records when you were at the face. I got some free records then, yeah. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, going through that, what was the most memorable things at the face? Because this is part of my growing up. Was the face was the cool magazine that you would you would go, God, the articles were cool. The whole thing, even the layout, it dripped in cool. Well, the the guy who was who was um, who was also he was an editor b- b- before me, and was the guy who wrote the letter that eventually got me into the work experience. Somebody called Richard Benson, who is a very acclaimed writer and author and journalist to this day so he was the editor during the real boom you would think of it as the Britpop era but it was also the sort of Brit culture era it was the era when everything in culture in Britain was going crazy to the point that Vanity Fair put Liam and Patsy on the cover as as a kind of cool Britannia that all that stuff I think 95 96 97 that kind of time um that's, that was that was just about the point I joined it so Richard did all that stuff before me but um the faces often mentioned to talk about an 80s star mag and it was that's when it was invented and it covered the 80s club culture and blitz kids and all that stuff amazing the, the time when it actually sold at its height were those years because that's when you know it was it was covering yeah. the stuff the stuff that said for example let's take example like blur oasis enemy would write about them then the face would take them and do an incredible photo shoot with an incredible photographer style them amazingly and make them look cool and incredible they did the spice girls on the cover when it was when they went with this new thing and it was one of the first media places to take something that was kind of pop and celebrate it in that way and it wasn't kind of kitsch or ironic or now nowadays a sunday papers cover yeah. you know harry Styles, however it might be to, to do that then was sort of an interesting thing to do um, and you put a juxtaposition. It was yeah, almost... and you wrote about them in a way that you would write about something serious, and you photographed them incredibly, and you put them over like fifteen pages. And that particular issue when they did the Spice Girls completely sold out. They, they were sold out in two weeks, or whatever, and it hit a sort of sales peak to then. So being part of that, being in London at a time when everything was really mixed up, there was a bit. The, th- the example I think of is when Bjork, the, the yes. singer, went out went out with Goldie, and suddenly there's, there's photos of there's this real clash of just music and art and fashion and culture and Alexander McQueen and Britpop and and, and that was and the face was reporting on it. So but it was face sort of, was also discovering photographers as well. I mean, you know, I I always kind of think of Rankin and that type of photographer that was the Brit photographers that were kind of irrelevant. Or maybe I'm wrong. I, no, I, no, I just you're felt totally right. like you also celebrated the artist but you've celebrated the photographer it became like everything was was the attention to detail it was and it was a forum for those particularly photographers to get to really really have a long you know run at someone to have to have lots and lots of pages to photograph not just fashion yeah. but pop stars and film stars and stuff and you know it was it was not entirely uh altruistic because through that they would then get fashion campaigns off the back of you know something they'd done in the face or idea or whatever it might be but um yeah it was a real they had really good writing, had really good photography, and it looked nice, a nice thing that people remember and have kept and still mean stuff to people. Because so. there was a gritty side as well. You had to, you know, as we talked hustle, but you had to kind of work at it as well. It wasn't kind of like, there is long hours. There was long hours on writing. There was long, or maybe I'm I'm putting words in your mouth. Though. No, no, totally. I mean, it is, it is, it's really long hours, but I just, just returned to that thing where it's, it doesn't really feel like... I mean, there could have been less. <laughs> there could have been less long hours. Frankly, it got you know. It gets to when you're in the office at nine, ten o'clock, you know, and people are whatever drinking beer and smoking and stuff. It's like it's probably, probably time to go home. Yeah. It? Really, generally, you know I mean? it's like not, the quality of work declines after it. But people like hanging out together. We were a really yeah. good gang of mates. Everyone went on holiday together. There was, it was a lot of fun. It, it was a great time. Oh wow! Do you see that camaraderie happening? Like, if I if I went to you today, does that camaraderie still happen, or do you think it is it's a fight to the top? 
No, I think so. I think the best, I mean, if you're talking specifically about magazines, the best magazines have always been, or best publications have always been a gang of mates, I think, from from smash hits to The Idler to Road Route, whatever. You can just, you can see it's a group of people with a shared enthusiasm. It's a club, right? You either think, you either think, I want to be part of that club, or you think, no, I'm all right, I'll buy the spectator instead, whatever. And that's and that's okay too. I love what you say about that, the club mentality it is. You, you want to be a part of the tribe. Yeah, I was thinking about Almost Famous when you were talking about the, the movie where they were talking about, I think it was Rolling Stones or something. Yeah, and yeah. He was right. And you wanted to be in, you know, you wanted to be cool enough to read the Rolling Stones. It was kind of like, same with Face. It was like, you, I wanted to be cool enough. But also I would say to well, the, peop- the people who worked there, and I'm sure <laughs> they weren't, co- they weren't, co- they liked talking about cool stuff and were fascinated by cool culture and what made, well, why is it, why is it, why, why is that club? doing that why is that a dj interesting but they, to look at them they weren't uh no one was wearing you know head to toe <laughs> versace or whatever they're pretty normal people they were just interested in cool stuff but uh, that's where i i look at journalists and i i'm always jealous of you guys because you can drop into multiple things you could you're almost an anthropologist in the way of like looking at society in in, in different ways and why i set this up is because i want to discover you know why do i want to discover because i want to discover people's stories i want to discover watches i want to how did it go from there I just did loads of loads of freelancing for whoever would have me really and that was a lot of that was some the broadsheets and magazine called monocle magazine that was oh, really yes. good at sending you to sort of very unusual places um to do to report on things um oh, i remember when the monocle came out yeah oh <laughs> it would it had a certain t- yeah, it still does it has a certain really uh, a sort of tongue-in-cheekness that was quite good so they would the front cover layout yeah, and yeah, how yeah. they did it and just remember when it first came out and it was like and the monocled style yeah it was good it was its own it was its own thing they once sent me to a I think it was, I'm going to say Denmark, I might be wrong, but it was, it was, I think it was Denmark's biggest peanut factory. So there's a massive peanut brand in Denmark. And that was brilliant. That was just walking around this big place, watching them package up and make peanuts. And it also meant you could put as many nut-based gags in your copy. (laughs) 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 I think they all made it through, which I was quite pleased about. Oh my God. You know, shelling out for this and all that kind of stuff. Um, But they were great because they were like, do you want to go and report on... Actually, they were, the, they were the first people to send me to Basel World. I was, they were like, this is a crazy watch fair that just does watches. I was like, oh, okay. Interesting. <laughs> so oh, wow. It was the year Paris Hilton launched her watch and got the name of the city wrong. Did the classic rock and roll thing when, I'm so pleased to be here in... And then whatever. Oh, got, no. got the name, Yeah, oh, got the no. name of the freaking place wrong. Um, but yeah, they were, they were fun. So them and Sunday, I did freelance Sunday papers and lots of so, music writing. So that was, that was a pivot point almost of you kind of going into the watch world. Yeah, that was that was like one story. I think basically, I did a lot of stuff for GQ, which which then made and then a lot of writing about fashion and luxury and stuff, and that got me into. There's a kind of myth around freelancers, you know. Oh, it's amazing! I can go and I can work my hours. I can do this. Is you know, I was talking to a taxi driver, and he's like, "Yeah, you know, it's not as as good as you you think. You're only as good, you know." And when I talk to journalists, and they say, "Oh, I'm freelance." You're out there, and you're only as good as the last article. And you're, or am I wrong? You're, no, you're on this tightrope. Of- fucking terrifying. Okay, because you literally think that's it. The phone's never going to ring again. Whatever you, whatever you do. I mean, it makes you. Hopefully, it proves your work ethic because you can't. You're trying to half-ass anything because you just think if I, you know, if I make this a six out of ten rather than an eight out of ten, if I can, then the person, the other, the other ten hungry mouths behind me are going to be, you know, next in line. So, it's bloody hard being a freelancer, for sure. 
and that that's something I was I was I, I you know if you think about back to student university magazine the grounding that you had there to becoming a freelancer it is that thing you've got to have the drive to do it yeah yeah I think so I'm people it would make me make me a bit cross because people would say oh you're freelancers that mean you sort of get up and watch breakfast telly and stuff and I was thinking no flipping don't I get up and uh, before you answer all my work emails from yesterday so they're in they're in people's inboxes first of all and and hustle a bit and yeah. uh yeah and hopefully you know make it make it through I think yeah I think that's I think I was like overdrawn for the first three years of doing it and then it sort of picked up a bit <laughs> but yeah it's hard and that was yeah and there was more magazines around back then now it's um even even harder to do that so you have to have confidence in yourself as well you know, to what you said about three years of kind of dipping into potentially savings or whatever it is. You've got to have confidence in, yeah, I know that this is where I want to go. I don't know what else to do, George. I can't do anything else. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Okay, so from that freelance two, three years or four years, five years? or I think nine. Nine years? Nine years, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And through that, is there anything, memorable articles that made you go, oh, that was a kind of a pinnacle point? Uh, I did quite a lot of travelling for, 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 to do music stories. It was a time when music com- record companies had money when CDs were selling a lot. And so um, there's a couple of music magazines that would, for some reason, they would wait till a British band was, well, I know the reason, but they'd wait till a British band was big somewhere around the world and then go, let's send you to, you know, a foreign country with a photographer uh, to go and interview whoever it might be, uh, to go being on tour in America. Or whatever. That, that was a lot of fun. I That's mean, it's, cool. yeah, it's the, it's the, tra- it's the, it's the traveling and the, I mean, you're, you know, you're, you're paid very badly, but the, but the upshot is, uh, is you, you get to, to see the, you get to see the world. Yeah. So I was doing a lot of stuff for, 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 for GQ magazine at the, um, at, at the time. And the editor of Esquire, then Jeremy Langmead left to set up Mr. Porter. And then a guy called Alex Bilmes, who is the feature editor of GQ, uh, got the job at Esquire. And because I knew him and wrote for him at GQ, he uh, called up and said, "Would you, do you fancy coming in and being having a staff job?" And um, I thought, "No, that sounds terrible." I thought, "I'm really enjoying finishing <laughs> being freelance. Why on earth would I want to give up in you know, having fun and sit at the de- sit at the desk again? That sounds absolutely terrible." Um, and I went home and told Alice, my wife, who's been uh, who's who's made every sensible decision in my life for me, uh, and continues to do so. And she was like, "Well, we are just about to have a baby, and I think." you know a regular wage might be good and also you're not flying off to america to interview you know blink 182 anymore forget that um so um th- there's a bit of that and also i really alex is fantastic i really like alex and i really like what he's going to do with it he was going to completely change the squire from what it was to something his his idea for it that that was a really smart decision so um so yeah i, I went i went into that and it was great and we got and we also got to launch a couple of fun things we did a, a luxury biannual called the big black book oh, which right. i got to edit yes, i love that um and then a big and a spin-off from it the big watch book which i got to do as well so i'm, I'm both those i'm grateful to alex i'm grateful to alice for uh for, for not, but that uh, that was a sliding door moment you were at a junction and you could have gone one way or the other and you think about, you know, as I always say, I never regret anything in my past because it gets me to sitting right here opposite mm-hmm. you chatting to you. That's what I always look at is I'm I'm in the place that I am. You look back on that. Positive? Yeah, that was, that was yeah, amazing. No, I mean, there's pluses and minuses, right? We all know freelance journalists are having, having a great time. You, you do give up some stuff and you gain other stuff but but it was the right it was, it was the right decision for me because it was we had a, i've had a ton of fun at esquire it's been great then jumped out of esquire that i thought was quite amazing is you 
you were writing about, you know, fashion, you were writing about the, you know, this world. And you almost put your money where your mouth is. You kind of jumped into a brand that that you were like, I'm going to work for the brands that we're going to be talking about. That I, I When you told me, I was like, wow. Just kind of explain what that jump was because, you know, I love the decision that you did it. So there's a, a clothes brand that we that we wrote about in Esquire that I, that I wrote about called Volleyback who make uh, kind of interesting and, and, and mad clothes and other stuff, uh, tech stuff. Yeah, so I went for the last year, I've been working for them, slightly flipping it around, so just writing stuff for them. I was head of content for them, so everything that's words-based that comes out of them and they're very big on explanations for their stories their products all have good stories behind them and yeah i did that for a bit but now i'm back to esquire again so yeah uh absolutely but you you became it was like poacher become game <laughs> yes. and then then you're now going back because when i when i heard that you'd gone I, I, over there i was like i felt sad to some degree and happy as well because it was one of those things but i bet it was quite amazing to see under the bonnet of another brand and volleyback is a brand that uh, you and i like so it was one of those things that they are they're mad yeah i mean yeah. like you know you go there and you feel like you're going to q's department <laughs> on kind of they're just like oh yeah we've just discovered something that we can send up to mars and don't worry this is what it's going to do and i'm like hadn't really thought about that. no or maybe i'm right that was know, kind of like super, and it's also super fun the thing that uh, um I, I found most fun about it was that um it all happens under one roof so there literally is uh, there's an amazing designer there called satish who he, he's sitting in one bit of the office designing you know spring summer 20 well, actually that's, that's not true because they don't do seasons but um you know, there's there's clothes up on the wall for the for the next eighteen months going you know, going forward. You look at the plans, think, wow, that's incredible, and that's all being made in one bit. And then there's the sort of the kind of marketing bit, and then there's the the guys who run it bit, and there's it's all under one roof, and it's very like a little sort of uh, Warholian factory where all happens oh, yeah. under one roof. And it was for having been written about fashion and stuff for ages to see it being literally going from why don't we make it? Why do we make it? X product in Y color, okay, and then you wait long enough, and there it is. You can try on in the office. That that that's kind of that was that was that's super cool. Something I ask everyone that comes on this: if today someone was coming into the industry, what advice would you give to the Johnny that's coming out today? What advice would you give? If you're taught, I'd say this applies to journalism, and it also applies to all life i would say which is just like just be just be a decent person to everybody particularly in uh if i think back to the class of however what it was the 20 people in that in in that journalism class uh, at one point pretty much all of them have employed someone else in that class or had cause to you know help each other help each other out whatever it's like uh just don't be a dick do you mean that's 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 the generally good advice it's like don't try and be as helpful and and kind and nice to each other as you possibly can because hey that's, that stuff's going to come back to you um yeah that's what i'd say someone once told me in, in in music magazines that the reason when take that came back and everyone thought wow you know take that back and they got such good reception was because when they started out they went around and literally made cups of tea for people at smash hits and were just so nice that that generation of journalists grew up and then 10 years or however long it was later, they were like, all right. And they already had, they already done the, you know, they're already in everyone's good books. So yeah, I mean, just, you know, you know, it's like, just be not just be, just be a decent person. Don't if be you a can, dick. don't be a don't, dick. Don't be a dick. Don't be a dick. Okay. We're 
going to stop on that that note. Don't be a dick. Um, Johnny, thank you so much for coming in and, and chatting to thank us. Thank you for having me. This has been absolutely amazing. Thank you for listening to GB Talks and Darren Michael, our producer, as always. You rock. Thank you.